welcome, welcome back. I am your host, Colleen, aka Gongly MC, female MC, Colleen Eat Wings on Instagram. We also have DOE underscore records on Instagram if you're trying to check out some music and see what we got going on. So, yeah, really, really quick um, episode back to back. I'm proud of me. Yay. Little hand clap. You hear that? But, um, yeah, I'm still working out some kinks. I'm still trying to get the. um set together so we'll be working on that when i say set don't get too excited guys it's not like it's gonna be all out brawl out but it's just gonna be something i'm trying a little something if that make any sense all right but i'm um, moving right along how was your guys weekend did you have a good weekend did if you celebrated juneteenth how did you how was your juneteenth weekend if you just strictly celebrated father's day you know happy father's day to all the guys out there belated i should say how was it if you had a good one let me know um today we're just gonna kind of kind of piggyback a little bit off of um Juneteenth and the week previous and really and truly just the news in general I never really kind of give you guys news information or even try to go into politics because I know everyone got an opinion I know some things are triggers for some people and some things are you know just it just could put you down a never-ending hole of debates and you know just people's out, output and disposition change so you know what I mean so you don't really want that so I don't really want to give too much or go into it and seem like you know I'm one of those bloggers or podcasters that just want to chat people's business so you know I rarely do I give news is what I'm saying but I decided today because I was talking with um Colossal and he was like you know we're looking at like all these youtubers and these bloggers and these podcasters we listen to some stuff some episodes you know you can give a little bit of news like you can give you know your opinion as long as it's mixed in with some facts and then you know you can take it from there but you don't have to go so far left or so far right like say hey this person's bad or that person's good you can just say like you know hey look this is what we've seen and this is my opinion i guess so yeah so recently not recently but over the weekend i would say there was a news article or this past week here that we're in a news article about Ikea and how Ikea did a celebration for their employees as well as the customers. Like anyone who's familiar with Ikea, you know, you go in there, you look around, you got like some kitchen, some furniture, maybe a couple of, you know, you know, crafty knickknacks you didn't think you needed until you went to Ikea. But then you also have a food area and they normally would have like their, I don't know if it's Swedish meatballs. I always say it's their Swedish meatballs, like plant-based, meat-based, etc. Then they have like their different seasonal dishes from time to time, right? So I guess they said, hey, look, we're going to open the kitchen up and celebrate Juneteenth for not only our employees, but for our customers. And we're going to do a soul food menu. Now the menu was mac and cheese, fried chicken, collard greens, cornbread, and I believe it was like watermelon bites, right? And it was a big uproar over the menu. And I'm me personally, like for example, like I think I told you guys not that long ago, I don't, I'm trying not to eat a lot of fried stuff like that, you know, cause as we get older, you just want to be more conscious of what you consume and just make sure that you're making healthier choices. So every now and then, you know, I am not going to lie and say I don't have, a piece of chicken, a piece of fried chicken. But for the most part, I'm trying to do just trying to experiment more with food. So to get away from just fried food, you know? So I really honestly never really ate a bunch of fried food like that. So yeah. But anyway, um, 
it still was a good menu for me. Like, to me, I felt like, hey, if we're celebrating Juneteenth and I have to work, might as well give me some macaroni, cheese, and collard greens. I appreciate it. That's my opinion. Not everyone else, but like, oh, that's a ghetto menu. That's not too good. I'm just saying, on Cinco de Mayo, what do they have? Tacos, right? But I've been to some really nice Mexican restaurants where it's like tacos is like, yes, yeah, appetizer, but you get so much more, you know, out of Mexican food. And I've seen so much more out of Mexican food, right? But for Cinco de Mayo, what do you get? You get Coronas and you get tacos, right? And have you seen people with sombreros, right? St. Patrick's Day, green beer, right? It's all about green beer. And I'm not saying, hey, let's celebrate Juneteenth like it's St. Patrick's Day or like it's Cinco de Mayo, you know? But really and truly, I just think it is a milestone recognition because like I said on the episode previous to this one, I said Martin Luther King got a holiday before Juneteenth was officially recognized for what it is. You know, it's still 2020 and they're still not giving you the full, you know, hey, look, we're going to say we, you know, had you guys in unnecessary slavery and, you know, we did you wrong and abused you for several hundred years. They're not going to, they're not ready to admit that yet. But I guess in, you know, their world, it is a small step in the right direction by honoring the Juneteenth holiday. And I think that was a, a, a positive gesture, in my opinion, to um, that Ikea did as far as um, say, hey, yeah, let's try, you know, and I'm saying like this, maybe not just have the fried chicken and macaroni and cheese, but maybe have like some fish, some baked chicken, you know, some maybe something else, like another option, you know, a vegan, you know, impossible pot meatloaf option, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, something like that to kind of give the employees as well as the customers the variety or the option to choose. So make a, maybe a little broader menu. I would say not just, Hey, this is what we're having because it's Juneteenth. So maybe I could see on that side of the room, like how they were upset. Like, Hey, how did you just want to put out a whole bunch of soul food? But on the other side of the room, I'm like, why wouldn't they put out a whole bunch of soul food? Like it's supposed to be a, a day of recognizing, you know, Juneteenth and recognizing what it stands for, which I also want to clear up because I think one of the biggest things that they were upset about was the fact that it was, um, watermelon bites as, as I guess as, as a dessert or something or whatever. To me, I feel like watermelon is a very healthy option. I don't really like a lot of it because it is water. It's a lot of liquid, but it is a good fruit. It's a healthy option, especially in the summertime keeps you cool. So I'm, I don't know. I didn't think anything was wrong with that, but I said, you know, I remember a documentary and I was telling Colossal this, like it was a documentary we watched not that long ago that actually was giving you the true breakdown and the history of what happened and why, you know, the watermelon became like so taboo and like such a negative, you know, impact on African-Americans. Right. And so I was like, you know, what was the movie? And I was like telling him, I was like, I do remember that, but it was like, um, let me see here. Let me see here. I'm looking it up real quick for you guys. Alrighty. So it was a documentary. I'm not looking up the actual documentary, but I'm looking up a couple of things on the internet to discuss with you all. So in the documentary that I watched, it wasn't even fully about you know, slavery and watermelon. Well, excuse me. It wasn't just about watermelon, but there was a part in it that I distinctly remember. And any of you out there that are listening to me, if any of what I'm about to say sounds familiar, if you can hit me up and let me know what that documentary was, I'm still looking for it again to probably, you know, put it in the description. If not, if any of you know what I'm talking about, hit me up and let me know. Cause I know I'm not crazy, but in the documentary it was saying how the, um, 
what you call it? The soldiers came. They were in Texas, Galveston, Texas. And I guess this must be like a far end of Texas because they came from the water on a boat and was like, hey, you guys are free. Why are still slaves up here? And y'all been free for a year. And then it was like, oh, you know, so it was another soldier that had came, a couple of black soldiers, and we just thought they were messing around with us. So, yeah, so we free. Okay, boom. So now that they realized they were free, they put on like, you know, at for what they had, like their best attire and, you know, had a celebration. They cooked their food, which probably was fried chicken. I don't know if it was macaroni and cheese. I don't know. But, you know, fried chicken and collard greens and turnips and stuff like that. Right. And um, they took watermelon seeds with them because it was a good harvest, I guess, in the region where they were at. And they also figured, hey, wherever we go next, because we're not staying here on, you know, dude's plantation working for free for him. We're out. So wherever we go next, um, the goal is to plant my watermelons and grow crop and sell watermelons. So up and down, I know the East coast, uh, you know, this is based on that documentary, what what it was saying, like up and down the East coast in particular, you did see a lot of, um, sharecroppers that were grown watermelons, black sharecroppers, and they were becoming successful and they were making good money off of selling watermelon. And they didn't sell it to just black people. They sold it to everyone who liked watermelon. So it became known or as, as a symbolism of freedom to black people of that time frame because when they left, they took their watermelon seeds with them and they started to harvest them and basically become self-sufficient off of growing watermelon, right? So what do you think happened next? And so this is what I'm going to do because this is courtesy of the Brown University Library from circa 2014 written by William R. Black, okay? And it says, How Watermelons Became a Racist Trope. All righty. So How Watermelon Became a Racist Trope. And I'm not going to go all into it all deep. I'm just going to find a, a certain passage that I was like, okay, let me see here. Okay. It says, The stereotype that African Americans are excessively, excessively fond of watermelon emerged for a specific historical reason and served a specific political purpose. The trope came in full force when slaves won their emancipation from the Civil War. Free black people grew, ate, and sold watermelon, and in doing so, made the fruit a symbol of their freedom. Southern whites, threatened by blacks' newfound freedom and newfound success, responded by making the fruit a symbol of black people's perceived uncleanliness, laziness, childishness, and unwanted public presence. So they took something that was ultimately revered as you know, a proud symbolism of freedom. This watermelon seed allowed me to grow crops, feed my family, make money to take care of my family and make me independent as a black person. So because they saw the success with that and they saw that it was, you know, really helping them kind of come up real quick, they attached it to these negative stereotypes, right? So it said this racist trope then exploded in American popular culture, becoming so pervasive that its historical origin became obscure. Few Americans in 1900 would have guessed the stereotype was less than half a century old. So by the time you hit the 1900s, it wasn't even that long ago that people were, you know, successfully selling watermelon until the political satire came out and just destroyed that for them, you know? So what's crazy to me is 
you know, and there's a lot here too. If you guys want to, it's definitely, you can just Google like how watermelons became a racist trope and that should pop up for you on Google. You can read that courtesy of the Brown University library. But, um, yeah, I just want to read that little passage to you all though, because it was a part in there that I was actually going to read a little bit further, but I was just like, you know, I'm gonna paraphrase real quick to me. I just feel like it's really amazing how the stereotype outlived the truth. Isn't that crazy? The stereotype of, you know, the black people being lazy on all they want to do is just be, you know, dirty and poor and eat watermelon and can't be, you know, presentable in public was associated with the watermelon because they knew that that was rising them up and helping them become dignified citizens, helping them become, you know, established business people and wealth, helping them create wealth. Any corner, if you look through history, Left or right, it was a block to stop us from creating wealth. So that was, there you go. That was one of them. So to me, you know, to bring it back to Ikea, I didn't see anything wrong with the watermelon, you know, being on the menu because watermelon is not a derogatory thing for black people. And if we kind of bring back the original meaning for the watermelon, we can take that back. We can take our fruit or symbolism of freedom back. And I think that's what needs to be happening to kind of get us in the right track. I'm not trying to be political here, guys, and I'm not trying to go off on a rant or a tangent like that. But I just feel like, um, you know, we get embarrassed over things because we're always worrying about what people think, you know. And I, and, and I see that a lot in all humans, not just black people when I say that. But I feel like that plays a part, you know. we When you're so worried about something, that's what happens, you know. So, for example, if they were like, man, F them old, old slave masters that can't grow no watermelon because we're not there and we're growing our own watermelon and chilling, I ain't worried about them. I'm a ball out. You know, Mott's. And all these, you know, fruit companies out here that can fruit and, you know, produce stuff for the groceries, we could have, we probably would have had a strong market or a chain on that, you know, a strong angle of hold. You know what I'm trying to say? We as black people could have been like a rich black family that would have had, you know, saying lineage in the fruit selling business. If someone would have said, you know, fuck them or what they think about me and my watermelon, I'm going to sell this shit. And continued on through it because as time go on, when people realize you don't care, things fade away. When you focus on it and harbor on it, it just grows and grows and grows. So to me, I just feel like the stereotype outlived the truth because we allowed that fear to grow in all of us. And then even us that, you know, thank God I wasn't in slavery or nothing like that. But even as us in these times, it's like, oh my God, I don't want nobody, I don't want to be caught daddy in a watermelon. What is that about? Like, that's crazy. But I want you all to challenge yourself, black, white, Spanish, whoever's listening to this, challenge yourself and Google it. Like don't Google for being an asshole and saying like, oh yeah, you know, black people like watermelon. Why do black people like watermelon? No, but look up like, what is the stereotype? Why, you know, what's the stereotype between watermelon and black people? Or how did the stereotype come about? Like look up those type of, you know, questions and you'll see, you'll see a whole bunch of stuff out there. It's just because black people were getting rich off of watermelons. So that brings me to something that I watched on, Amazon Prime. I don't know what it is, but Amazon Prime lately been having some good ass 
shows. So Amazon Prime, this was a show I reluctantly watched. And I'm, I will say that because at first I was like, nah, just I'm not watching another slave show. I'm just so tired of freaking slave shows. You know what I'm saying? Like, stop. Okay. You won't, you just gave us a Juneteenth holiday, but you refuse to acknowledge the abuse and torment that was done and continues to play out with like, you know, police brutality, etc. But you want to remind us of our place by putting up another slave movie. Oh, by the way, happy black history month, slave movie. Happy Juneteenth. Watch all the slave movies you want. You know, I don't know. I'm just being sarcastic, but not really. Right. So I reluctantly watch this because I always tell you about like, shit, I'm going to have to like probably charge my group on Facebook because I shout them out a lot, but I have a couple of groups I'm in. One of them in particular, we watch movies or they'll recommend movies. Do I watch all of them? No, but I do kind of watch the trends and see who's responding. to what about how that might be interested. And nine times out of 10, it's a good movie. The ones I pick from the um group ultimately to watch or I choose to watch but um I seen it on Amazon Prime prior to my group mentioning it but I think what made me watch it was because the group was like yo this is really good this is you know and it was like making jokes about it and you know and I know when it's a good show period just like even if you're not in a, a show for a group for show even if you're just like you know on Facebook or you know you're seeing your friends like oh my god power was crazy last night and you know you watched the episode too so you're like yo that was crazy you saw how Kanan did this you know etc so you know when it's a good show people are going to interact about it like the next day even throughout the show like people will tweet live you know you'll see it so you'll be like okay this is a good show so you don't really necessarily have to be in a group per se but I am kind of busy like I don't really be trying to just sit around and watch shows to recommend shows so I'll go to the group and be like hey what they got popping oh that might look good if I have some time I'll watch it right so I saw the show and I think it's called The Railroad let me pull that up for you. Amazon Prime, The Railroad, I believe, or The Underground. I'm going to say, look here. Let me see here. I'm going to use my Google because, you know, I'll be trying to type and talk to you guys. So, look, Underground Railroad Show on Amazon Prime. I don't know why I don't do that more. Boom. So, here we go. So, it's called... The Underground Railroad, <laughs> there, conveniently. So the Underground Railroad is like a series that's on Amazon Prime. And in a weird way, each episode kind of highlights a particular character. And then it kind of like meshes together like their journey. Because it's like basically a bunch of slaves that's trying to escape. And then uh, the other cat, you know, the other cast members are either masters or slave catchers trying to catch them. So um, the weird thing is... Like the main character, plot twist, his dad is uh, like a mayor in a town and his town is like one of the only segregated town, um, excuse me, non-segregated towns in this part of the, of the South. And he hires, you know, black men. He treats them like respect, you know, with respect, like a man. He hires women cause like he lives by himself. His mother, his wife passed away. So he has like women that he pay to come and cook and clean and they doing their stuff, but they're getting paid. And if you see them, they look happy. And then what happens is because he's bringing economy to the town, like income, you can see like when the people get off of work, they're going into the, you know, like into the downtown and they're getting dressed, putting their suits on and they're hanging out. Right. So it's all fictional, but I thought that was interesting that the main character father was a lover of human people. He was like a godlike man. He didn't see color. He didn't see, you know, you were be I'm better than you because I have this or that or no. He just saw, he just saw people, you know, he just saw like 
this is a man. He has a son. He has a wife. He's going to need to provide for them. And I got a couple of jobs that you could pick from and provide for your family, you know, honest work. So I thought that was dope, but his son didn't really have the humanity or the, um, yeah, the humanitarianism like his dad or compassion and empathy like his dad. Instead, he was just like confused as like kind of almost jealous, like why he didn't have what his dad had because white people and black people loved his dad. But, um, the white people didn't love the son ironically, but the black people were kind of scared of the son, but nice to him if that made any sense. Right. So, um, you know, cause you know, still in those times, I hate to say it like that, but you know, black people knew to stay in a certain place still when talking to people, whatever. So with the dad, he was, you know, the men were a little bit more comfortable, like talking to him, like, you know, they homies, but with the son, they were like, Oh yeah, boss. Well, yes, sir. Cause he had seen it on him that he just hated black people. So anyway, the dude ended up becoming like a slave catcher. Right. So I'm not going to go into the whole movie, but the point of the movie is how I'm relating this back to watermelon. One of the main characters escaped. What did she take with her? She took with her okra seeds. And the funny thing to me is as I watched that episode or whatever, I was like, I know in reality, like if this was a true story, it would have probably been, you know, it might've been okra seeds because, you know, they grow a lot of stuff. But I see watermelon was like one of the most successful crops for you know, former slaves when they originally were, were, you know, emancipated from slavery. Right. So I was like, it's so crazy that they made a big thing about this girl and her okra seeds throughout the whole show. But, um, that's another point. Like, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. They would have had okra seeds. They would have had pumpkin seeds. They would have had watermelon seeds, whatever, because at that time you grow, you know, you blow, like you blow up, you know what I'm saying? you got your crops or if you're a share crop or you get a little piece of land that you can live on and grow on, you know, a rent or whatever, however it works out. But that's what their gold was. And that's what they did. It just so happens in addition to like, say for example, the girl on that show had okra seeds and she was toting them on her, her journey to freedom. Cause she said when she gets where she's going, she's going to plant them and she's going to grow okra and sell it. And that's going to be her family business. Right. That was this girl's dream. I thought that was very significant because you know, I think the story should have been told with the watermelon seeds to give people the understanding of what happened there. You know what I'm saying? Because even though okra was a good option, like I don't like okra, it's kind of slimy, you know, it depends on who's cooking it. It just looks disgusting, you know? So is okra really is more popular than watermelon? Watermelon is like a cool, refreshing fruit that dissolves in your mouth and gets you, you know, um, refresh, you know, quenches your thirst at the same time. So what would be more popular, especially in the South? Okra seeds or, you know what I'm saying? So, of course, they're going to take your most popular prized possession and use it against you. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's amazing. And I don't know, I've just been like on this, like asking of openness and, you know, a spiritual connection with things that I do, things that I'm experiencing on a daily basis in my life. Right. So I don't know. I'll just be sitting here thinking of like, you know, why wouldn't they connect those dots for the, you know, in, in this show? It's not my, I'm not saying the show wasn't a bad show. It was actually a good show because it was like a fiction. They had the slavery stuff in there, but it wasn't like so much. And so intense, like a couple of shows and years prior. But, you know, to me, I feel like one scene is too much, in my opinion. But it had like a little fantasy 
aspect on it because of course we all know in those times the railroad was really just a path that they traveled on by foot through water sometimes but it wasn't a train actually so they, but it was the underground railroad but on this show they really had like underground train stations with conductors and some magical shit right so that made it a little bit different and made it probably tolerable I will say that maybe it was a little bit more tolerable because it gave you that enchanting magical factor on the show. But, um, yeah, you know, but I just feel like, especially because of that, because it kind of held my attention. It was a good show after I got into it and I'm like, they could have just swapped out the okra seeds for watermelon seeds. And that would have just, I think it would have cleared up a lot for people or at least sparked a question for black and white people, not just black people, but for people like, huh? So maybe they were growing it as crops and making money. And maybe that was their most successful crop possibly, which is why they used it to, you know, do a smear campaign against them. I don't know. Think about it. Just think about like memes these days, like how someone does something crazy and you're a meme for life. Right. And like the Jordan crying face or the dude that battles that he's like, I don't know, you know, the, um, just, just different faces, even with, um, soldier boy, when he had that Gucci headband when that was kind of stretched out and he was on the breakfast club, like Drake memes, you know? So it's stuff that ironically are successful. Like either the, you know, the battle rapper successful, Michael Jordan successful, Dr- um, soldier boy and Drake are successful people. However, they took a funny moment to, you know, make it go viral and spread something at their, at their expense you know what i'm saying like a joke at their expense right so really that's what it was it was like a 1800 meme you know like hey if you see niggers this is what they do eat watermelon and they dirty ha 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 not saying it's funny not saying it's justifiable not even saying it's acceptable but i'm just saying like that's how i'm looking at like if you kind of could put things into a different perspective then i think we could be like okay maybe i can think this all the way through now and see how this makes sense if it makes sense if it doesn't make sense let me know. But this was something I was thinking about. I was just like, you know, I think there's some dots need to be connected out there in the world. Like, you know, let's connect the fact that, um, watermelon is not looked at as a a jigaboo. It's really the origin of it. I should say was not negative. We weren't jigaboos or lazy people or uncleanly people. So we eat watermelon. Like I didn't even understand like, cause watermelon to me, it is messy, I guess. Like if you're eating it from the rind or whatever, but, um, yeah, I didn't get that. Like you're, you're dirty if you eat watermelon. I didn't get that in the article, but um, apparently that's what they put out and the images to accompany these, you know, blasphemy slogans and these horrible, you know, statements were pasted and, and smeared all over the United States. So then people are like ha ha ha. But then guess what happens? Do you think they stop selling watermelon? No, because if they ever stopped selling it because it was a black person plague, do you think we would be able to find watermelon in the grocery store right now or in the fruit markets by the dozen or in Wawa nicely chopped up and neatly packaged for your vegan and keto needs? No, we would not if it was a thing that they really was thought was bad and they really believed it was bad. What they wanted to do and what they successfully did was just stop us from making money from it, you know? So to me, I felt like, you know, Ikea didn't do a bad thing with their menu. I just don't. Maybe that's the greedy girl in me. I am a foodie. You know, Colleen Eat Wings. That's that's my name, you know? So maybe it's the greedy girl in me. I don't think that was a bad menu. I think um, variety, maybe a little bit more meat protein variety for the vegans, for the um, 
pescatarians for the you know keto for the people that don't eat like fried chicken 100% heavy deep fried chicken maybe we'll give them a fried fish or a baked fish or you know another alternative to eat with the sides but hey it's a soul food Saturday because it's Juneteenth I completely got it and I respected it but guess what happened they protested and was so upset about the menu that they changed it to meatloaf mashed potatoes collard greens and cornbread if that ain't a slave plate and no pun intended i'm not even trying to but that was so busted like what y'all had a whole layout and y'all went down to school meatloaf and mashed potatoes like as soon as i heard meatloaf and mashed potatoes i instantly think of like elementary school you know so i was like so you guys did all that hooting and hollering to get a lame ass menu okay but um yeah i just wanted to share that though because i thought that was very interesting that people think you know, so negatively of something that was, had such positive intentions. And then it just makes me think about other things in the world. Like, wow, if a negative stereotype to stop us from doing something that would really benefit us can be in place for so long to the point that generations and generations and generations to come are believing it and convinced in it, like they, they live in it. What else is like that? You know, because I always believe anyway, like negative stuff sticks around longer than positive stuff. And I hate that, you know, but I think it is, you know, saying like my grandmother, God bless her. She would always say evil people live long and good people die young. And I was like, don't say that, grandma, because you see people out here 108. So you just say like they're the ultimate evil villain. Like you can't say that. She was like, no, no, no. I'm not saying everyone, but you can just tell like, you know, I I don't know. You know, I guess she was just saying. And like old miserable people, they are old and they live long and they're miserable longer because they chose not to be happy. So it's like, you're going to live this miserable life type of thing. But my granny was Jamaican, so it didn't really come out like that. It just came out more so like evil people live long, look upon them. You know what I'm saying? Like they're miserable, so they're going to live longer to wallow in the misery, right? So... With that being said, like, you know, what else? Like the stereotypes. You see all the stereotypes that are out here. Like, oh, right now we got black guys are thugs. You know, you can't go to a black neighborhood because they're crazy, et cetera, et cetera. So all these stereotypes have been put in place and they're, they stuck, you know. Now, did I say everyone is affected by the stereotype? We know that's not the case. We know there are people that are successful that are able to change their you know, their scenery, their environment, myself included, and I'm grateful for that. You know what I'm saying? At the same time, it's like, it's there like come on y'all you know it's there and you just think about it like for example um I don't really have any musician in in mind because I respect all musicians good bad or indifferent I respect them all but um I don't know you ever heard ever seen or heard a rapper that was probably you know old school like, this dude is very elemental with the rapping or whatever or this dude is you know, this girl can't sing or whatever. And then like 80 years later, they're like, oh, she was a legendary singer. And then you go back and find some, oh, uh, perfect example, perfect example. You know how like, um, older people would tell us, you know, music is so, um, so raunchy these days, you, you know, so no respect for women, you know, the men are, you know, misogynistic, you know, this is unacceptable. Remember, like, in the 80s and early 90s, it was breaking records and running over CDs in the streets. Like, this is dirty music. Only to find, and I'm going to look that up. Honestly, I might let this be my song for tonight. You know what I'm saying? 
let me see here, but only to find on YouTube and it became popular on TikTok again. Let me see here. And it's from like 1930. Let me see here. Let me see here. Boom. Lucille Bagan. Shave them dry. Put it right here. And a few others, right? And if you listen to this song, it's like, it's almost like she's rapping, but you know, back in those days, I don't even know which, which genre you want to call that, but it was 1935. She put that song out apparently. And it's the most raunchiest thing ever. She's talking about the dick and the, and the, and the, ha. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So it's like, but they'll act like that didn't exist and they didn't talk about it. Like, you know, they just kept their sex in the bedroom not to be talked about just you know you see children you know we're having sex you know and they want us to keep it very taboo and conservative for generations to come I guess but then it's in us not saying because you know I'm not saying I'm Lucille Bagan or Lucille Bagan is me but it is in us it's part of the music to express yourself right and they would have you thinking you're wrong for doing something when in fact it was done already so that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, in particular, I was just talking about music. There maybe not have been the best example for what I was trying to say there, but it's just like the, the time is what I'm trying to say. Over time, something that's bad can turn good just because of the time. And it's something that's good can, can turn bad because of that same time, if that makes any sense, you know? So it's interesting. Like, you know, where am I going with this? It was just a lot. Like I seen, um, perfect. Another example, um, don't really, cause he, this guy's getting a lot of media himself, but Kwame Brown from, um, he played basketball in the early two thousands, had a good career, made like $67 million. I believe he's not broke. He's very, you know, still much doing his thing and taking care of his family. Right. He's from Charleston, South Carolina. They always want to say this guy's a bust. Like, and I guess, you know, for people that don't follow sports like that, a bust is like, you know, a deflated balloon or a deflated basketball. Like where they had high hopes for him, but it was just a bust. The success wasn't there or whatever the case may be. But um, he technically had like a 10, 11 year career. He made millions of dollars, retired comfortably, retired before the age of 40, you know, comfortably. And, um, Years later, like 10 years after retirement or whatever, I don't even know if it's 10 years after retirement, but years later after his retirement, they're talking about him and they're like still mentioning him on, you know, different sports shows. Like he's horrible. He's terrible. He's terrible. So people who have not experienced him while he was playing, like seeing him in action, playing to say like the guy wasn't that bad. The dude did this. He went to this team. He went to that team. He even went back and played with Jordan in North Carolina, you know, that can give the history a little bit. If not, you'll just be like, oh, Kwame Brown, he was a bus playing basketball. He was just this guy that wasn't good at basketball, and they gave him $67 million, and he wasn't even good. But, in fact, he did earn his money. You know what I'm saying? He did earn his money, and he did earn the right to be in the NBA and retire comfortably, which he did. And, you know, to me, a bus is someone that comes in, you know, high hopes, and then, you know, I don't know, he's – homeless on the side of the road crazy or something or you know his you know he's committed a crime and he's no longer in the league you know something like that to me I would consider a bust but if a dude had a nice 10-year career doing what he do how is that first season not even like his first 10 year or first five years like the first team he ever got drafted to 
maybe like the first season of him playing. And like they said, like he was on the team with Jordan, who was like the star at the time, who came out of retirement to shine. So you had all this stuff going on around this young man. How do you really expect him to just come out and out the gate? You know what I'm saying? He had to get his bearings together and, you know, take it slow, which I'm thinking it worked for him because he had a long, a long and prosperous career, you know, but instead people will say, um, nah, that first year he was a bust. Jordan was just playing circles around him and Jordan came back from retirement and was still whooping on him, blah, blah, blah. The kid was 17, you know, but it's not in my opinion, and I'm not into sports or politics like that, but in my opinion, I think it goes deeper than, Oh, just saying, you know, this guy is a buzz. It's saying because shortly after that, what happened after proving that it was a buzz, you can't let them come from high school and he doesn't even know how to use a fork and bullshit. So much BS they were spewing about this kid when he first came out, right? That it became like, you know what? It's obvious. We cannot let kids come from high school into the league. We can't let this happen because look, Kwame Brown was a buzz. So if you say Kwame Brown's a buzz, boom, there you go. We could shut down that whole option of skipping over college and you know, you have to go to college and you have to go through this, that and the third to get into the league. That's my opinion. Like it's so obviously the, the paint is obvious on the wall, you know, but 10 years later, they're like, he's a bus, he's a bus, he's a bus. Right. And that stuck. But like I was saying, remember earlier in this conversation with you guys tonight, I said in one way, you know, something that's bad can stick around for a long time. And then on the flip side, something, you know, that's unexpectedly good can come out of it, you know, in the end sometimes. Right. So I feel like, um, yeah, they talked about him so much that he couldn't take it anymore. So he started doing his own videos on YouTube and, um, you can look him up like dude goes live like every, every other hour in my opinion. Right. And he's communicating with people. People are reaching out to him. People of prestige he's having on, you know, back and forth, you know, commentary communication with like judge Joe Brown. I saw him up there with him. Um, a couple of people you'd be surprised, but it's not, and then the people that are talking about him, other bloggers and podcasters, very impressive as well. Not just like, Hey, you know, I'm just going to hit record and start talking about Kwame Brown too, you know? But, um, to me, I feel like he got a win out of it because something that they try to keep, you know, a, a bad image on him for so long, it cannot last because he was able to say, Hey, look, how was I a bust if I did 10 years? And now he has a platform where like maybe 10, 20 years ago, it wasn't as easy to just get on the internet and, you know, do we even have the internet? I don't remember. I think it was like early stages, but you know what I'm saying? Like there wasn't no YouTube, there wasn't no Instagram to say, Hey, I'm going to go up here and tell and talk to the people and tell them, you know, what I know and what I did, but now he has that ability. So it's switching. So, you know, it's like, even with that, they try to put something bad on him. It worked and they got their agenda across just like how with the watermelon, it worked. They put something, a smear campaign out and it worked. But now like with Kwame Brown, he's changing around. He's using that negative for good. He's taking that, um, unwanted attention. Cause he didn't even like taking interviews. You could tell it probably was something that he internalized for a long time. Like, yo, why does everybody think I'm a bust and I'm not even the worst player out here, you know? So imagine carrying that around, you know, shit. I know there's people out there like, Oh, Ganga can't rap. Okay. But I'm not going to carry it around because I know what I could do. But at the same time, I'm saying that's me just going off of the tangent, but real quick, I'm just saying like, he's able to flip that now because now he has the ability to talk to the people and be like, boom. And I'm happy that he's getting an opportunity. So I think if we as a people should do that with like, you know, 
negative black stereotypes. Like let's research them. Where did they originate? You know, and let's break it from, let's break the cycle of stereotypes at the source. Like cut it off at the root so the weed can't grow back. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's what we should do. Like, that's why I was, you know, trying to give this whole little rant. Like, honestly, I should have did this for the Juneteenth special, but I was just so excited. Plus, I had watched that show last week, and I was like, oh, my God, I got to talk about it. So I kind of, you know, saved it for them. But then the Ikea thing came up after, of course, Juneteenth. And I was like, wow, okay, um, this is interesting. And when I heard the menu, I was like, are they crazy? What? Like, for example, there's a soul food truck out here. Man. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for just like safer times again to find them. I'm going to hunt them down. But um, they would cater anything, big or small, church or dorm or office building. They cater everything. And um, yeah, they their food is the best. And they're a soul food truck. You know what I'm saying? And when you see the lines, like trust and believe, if you don't get to the truck early, you're going to be standing there for a long time trying to get some food. But it's going to be great food. But not only will it be great food, you're going to interact with a diverse bunch of people that are waiting for their food as well. And I've seen more than my share of, um, you know, white people, white guys, white women, you know, and I want to say like that because I'm not racist. I hate to say like we're separating it, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like I've seen more of them getting collard greens, macaroni and cheese and fried chicken off that food truck than anything. You know what I'm saying? And it's banging banging is a black owned family, you know, it's like, uh, I think they're like brothers or something, but awesome food. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I'm just going to shout them out. Shout out to heavies, the food truck out of St. Pete. Hey, if anyone out there listening, that want to go ahead and find them. Y'all would not be disappointed. And it's called heavies for a reason because the plates are heavy. So I didn't want to just give y'all such a nice, nice, you know, cause people are like, well, damn Colleen, we know the food is at. And honestly, if you go on my Colleen Eat Wings page, you'll see that food truck up there. Cause they know me when they see me coming. But, um, so I didn't think nothing wrong of it. Like, you know, my job even, you know, ordered them one time, like shit, several times, you know, and it was like, boom, Christmas and, and, but they have variety though. It wasn't just fried chicken and fried chicken is amazing, but they also had like baked chicken. They had baked turkey breast, which was banging, not those sliced turkeys with the gravy. No, it was real good stuff, you know, and it had healthy options, etc. So I don't, I didn't see nothing wrong with that, you know, with the menu option. And actually I want to say kudos to Ikea because I didn't, I don't see the offense in it and, you know, shoot me, whatever, but I didn't see the offense in it. Maybe add a more, you know, maybe add a, like another meat option, like maybe a baked chicken with the fried chicken. So if they don't want to do baked, they can get fried. Maybe put like a, um, seasoned rice or like a, you know what I'm saying? Like a chi- rice with chicken breast in it and vegetables, like to give it a, a, a rice medley option versus just macaroni and cheese, you know? So you can kind of cater to everyone's diet. But I don't think they, I think they did a great gesture of being, and that's the thing that's funny to me. Cause like, this is pride month, right? I'd literally just sat in on a conversation with Laverne Cox, which was amazing. She, you know, was talking about her life as a transgendered woman because it's pride month, right? And everywhere you go, you're seeing a lot of interactions, a lot of people wanting to learn about, you know, how to be respectful, how to interact with, you know, the LGBTQ community, right? And be respectful about it all month long, everywhere you go. Like you can log onto any website virtually, it's going to be their logo in rainbow. It's going to be, everything is rainbow. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm like, Hey, that's showing a step forward towards, you know, understanding 
this community and making it right with that community, right? But now over here in the black community, why we get so mad over everything? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any other way to say it. It's like one minute, it's like, oh, y'all don't want to recognize us. Y'all want to recognize us. Oh, yeah, give us the shortest month of the year, which, you know, I agree there. Like, none of that stuff is, I'm not disagreeing with. But when they do try to make an effort, then that's a problem too. So what do we want? Like, what do we want? Like, I don't think we're going to be closer to getting any reparations at this rate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to get the reparations. Whoever's going to sign up for that, holla at your girl. I'm in first in line. I'm all for it. If that was a thing, you know. But, we got, you know, back to what I'm saying here, like, why did we get so mad? It's like, okay, they make an effort to recognize us and recognize our plight and recognize what we've been through. And you're like, uh-uh, knowing if you went home and had a birthday party or you went to someone's house or if you even went to a restaurant, that's probably what you would order. And because they're making that suggestion, is like, no, it's a problem. So that's my opinion on that. I, I, not like, I get it, but that's why I wanted to come through with some food for thought as well like you know instead of being angry let's really look into it like are these stereotypes real like say for example did it originate from something you know like for example I always say um I hear like people say oh I'm a Jimmy rig this or I'm a Jerry rig this and I've heard some people say I'm a nigga rig this right it all kind of means the same thing like I'm going to do some type of MacGyvering and some type of ghetto in rig to tie up this tire or put this TV up, you know, whatever, right? It's just like saying that you're doing it your way and not the right way or you don't have a professional helping you, so you're going to jerry-rig it yourself. Like I just put a little, you know, bootleg boot um donut on my car. I jerry-rigged it myself. You know what I'm saying? Like you're just saying like, hey, I, you may not have did the best job, but I did it myself, right? But I used to always say like when I hear people say, jerry rig or jimmy rig or even nigger rig i would be like where did that come from was there a guy named jimmy and then then me not going back was there two guys named jimmy and jerry that were black that were just rig stuff going around like you know black macgyvers what was going on where did that come from that's not the case i don't know like i'm just saying these are sometimes you know hit the blunt think <laughs> like sometimes those are the thoughts like where did stuff originate from like why does jerry have to be rigging stuff why did jimmy or a nigger got to be rigging stuff you know like I don't know you know does that make any sense so even though I don't really have the original reason of to where those um statements or phrases came from but I know one for example where they be like um don't be a fly in the butter or don't be a um stick in the mud you know because those are things that really happen like back in the days people didn't have refrigerators like that they might have had like an ice box but not really ice in it like a refrigeration system and their butter would just be out they use it when they make it it is you know sitting there and when flies come by boom land in the butter fly in the butter you know what i'm saying because of the way life was set up butter was exposed nine times out of ten in their living quarters and that's how the flies got in, right? Makes sense. A stick in the mud. Someone threw some stick. It didn't go anywhere. It's just sitting there. It's not doing anything. It just can't go down, can't go up. It's just stuck. Stick in the mud. You know, you don't want to be stuck. You don't want to be not doing anything. You don't want to be stagnant. So I get that. I can get the, the um equation. I, I can equate the two together and make it make sense. But um, when it's something negative... You know, like, oh, black people eating watermelon again, or, oh, they think because all oh, black people like watermelon. Granted, we don't have to like everything because, like, as a 
a wide variety of fruits I don't like. You know what I'm saying? And then at the same time, as I'm getting older, my palate is changing. So I also am experimenting and trying different fruits and different foods to see what I do like and what I might have missed out on, right? But um, with the with the course of just trying new things and I've been trying to just get to the bottom of things, you know, with a lot of stuff, you know? And so I'm just like, well, well why would um it be a, a negative stereotype when in fact it was something that was meant for good? you know, and then, you know, just how people are, the people felt embarrassed that, you know, oh man, we're selling watermelon, the man making us look bad for selling watermelon, stop selling it. And then the man took that over and that became one of their successful um, crops. And now it's grocery food chains, just mass producing watermelons that pretty sure none of us own, you know what I'm saying? So that's all I'm trying to say is like, we need to start reclaiming things and reclaiming the the wealth the worth and the knowledge of self because if we don't have it then we're going to still be kind of just like angry lost and always like just going in circle like every time someone try to make a gesture you're offended or we get offended and we have to protest and i'm not saying there's nothing wrong with protest because a lot of stuff needs and i approve a lot of the protests you know but i'm not talking about that i'm talking about like um we got to start with the small things like changing our mind. Like for me, for example, I'm not going to lie 10 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago, I probably would have been offended as hell. Young Colleen would have been offended as hell. Probably mad. I probably ripped up Ikea for having fucking watermelon on the menu because of the lack of knowledge of, you know, the not known of, you know, the origin of the stereotype or the whole connection between watermelon and black people. Right, I'd like the fuck they think we are jungle monkeys, empowering stereotypes, with the anger, with the frustration, the displaced, uneducated frustration. Right, so yeah, so I'm like, twenty years ago, I probably would have been pissed, understandably, because with lack of knowledge, it comes different ways to respond. But um, twenty years present, I'm like, nah, man you got to see through that. That's also yet again, another ploy. That was like memes before memes, you know? And that was viral before viral was a thing and viral, just like viral is something that, you know, it originated from something nasty, something vile, something diseased maybe. And it is viral to your system. It's a virus in your system, right? So when something goes viral, it spreads because it's spread. In fact, like the pandemic, we just, you know, the pandemic, you know, it spreads. So that's all it was. It was a, a viral meme that went vi- all over the United States joking black people and creating a smear campaign against sharecroppers that were successfully selling watermelon in the South, period, done. And I think that, um, you know, I might be like, no, it's not because it doesn't, it came from me. I don't care about all the logistics and the details. I like to give the overall high overview of a situation, you know, and that's really what it was. And I think if we accept that, you know, the bitterness shouldn't come in right now, in my opinion, because they want to service watermelon. The bitterness should be, it's not us who's selling the watermelon to these people to serve. Does that make any sense to anyone out there? Anyone out there? All right. Because I don't know. I just feel like we we do ourselves as a community we do ourselves a great disservice at times when we just always want to like be angry over the wrong thing and then like something will be happening like so no one's gonna get angry over this okay I guess we're not angry this week you know 
that's the part that I kind of be like, oh, I'm so tired of it, you know. I wish that we would just start to, you know, think on a more deeper level. And I'm not saying none of us don't. I'm not saying it's a lot of people that I have, you know, really nice conversations with about a vast variety of topics, you know, and it's, in, it's entertaining, it's informational. I feel like I walk away with, you know, newfound knowledge. The person I'm speaking with can walk away with newfound knowledge and all, you know, information and knowledge is had by all, you know, but I also feel like, um, sometimes we got to do that for ourselves without even interacting with another person. Like we have to sit down and do some research and, and question everything, like really, truly question everything, you know, just don't get mad and join the anger group because everyone's angry this week at watermelon or Ikea for watermelon. I really don't think they did nothing wrong. And, and maybe I'm biased because I love Ikea, but no, I'm joking that last strike that last statement from the record. <laughs> but um, really what I was saying is I think that they made a step forward in a good direction to try and, you know, try and um, make it right. You know, or at least be like, hey, I see you. I acknowledge you. You know what I'm saying? At least that would have been cool, right? But then um, it was like, no, why would you do that? And they said, you know, fuck you. We're going to give you a meatloaf and mash, like <laughs> high school kids, in my opinion. You know? But um, I don't know. I just think it's crazy how that works. Like, I'll, I'll think in on some stuff, you know? I can't front. I truly used to get mad at the drop of a dime you know, and then I had to start to question myself, like, why am I so angry? Why? And then really when you have those quiet moments with self and you really kind of like center yourself, like, I don't know if it's chakras or what, but like you center yourself and you really become one. I legit can hear myself. I hope that makes sense to you. Cause as I even said that just now, I just felt like a lifting up off of me. That's weird. But, um, you know what I'm saying? Like you can hear yourself and yourself, your inner voice going to, it's going to tell you what you need every time, every time, you know, or, or tell you what you're doing wrong. And that's the part that, you know, you can like, Hey, clean, you need a million dollars. You're great. Like, yeah, we want to hear ourselves tell us that, but you don't want to be like, uh, you know, clean, you know, sometimes you're abrasive in conversations. You, need to, you know, be nicer when talking with people. You can't, you know, just, you know, everyone's opinion matters and you can't, you know, cause it's coming off like it doesn't, you know? And then you'd be like, okay, that was uncomfortable to hear, but it's the truth. So I got to work on that, you know? And then like another time I'll sit there and I'll be like, what am I doing? You know, what do I need to do? And it'll be like, here comes the voice clean you know what the fuck you need to do. You sitting here acting like you don't have nothing to do and you have a fucking to-do list in the room. Okay. But then when you miss your shit on your to-do list, who are you going to cry to? Now you want to f- blame everything on the to-do list, but this person that's sitting right here doing nothing right now, get your ass up. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> so I guess that anger that I had when I was younger, um, was misplaced for sure. But it was also confusion because you didn't know you can't you can't connect your emotion, your internal emotions with your external feelings, if that makes any sense. And like I, I, like you guys can see me, I need to go on camera for these episodes. But like you know, I'm like grasping, like I'm feeling something, like I'm feeling fabric or counting and some money's in my hand. So you know, you could feel with your hands, but you can also feel with your emotions, right? So I feel like um, the two have to be 
married at some point in order to get a good, a good, clear understanding and also to keep a level head. Now, will there be triggers? Yes. Everyone has triggers, you know, and then we have to work through those and we have to say, well, what triggered this and what can I do to fix this? You know? So, um, yeah, like I don't really, um, I don't like to feel like that anymore, like aggressive and in argumentative mode or just be like snap at the drop of the dime because I spent a lot of my twenties doing that. And, um, I don't know, you know how they say you're supposed to spend a lot of your, your, your early years making relationships and making lasting friendships. And I'm not going to say I didn't cause I have a lot of dear friends that I love, but I also feel like I could have been nicer to some people <laughs> if that makes any sense. But you know what they say, right? They say that when you are hurt, you hurt. So hurt people, hurt people. And that's what happens. It's like, you know, you had to, inter- had to internalize that and I had to say, Hmm, why does this keep on pissing you off? You know what you need to do? Not entertain this, you know? And when I would just like click it off it, to the point that my family was like, it's amazing. We don't even know who you are. It's like, you just clicked off that, you know, other person. And this person was like full steam ahead. Who are you? You know, like my parents be calling up like, hi, does Colleen still live there? Like, who is this? <laughs> you know, but, um, and I'm grateful for that. It's a long journey. Am I complete? No. Am I perfect? No. Uh, do I still have triggers? Yes. We're human. But do I wild out? No. Do I go off the deep end? No. I'm more in um, defense mode than offense mode. Back then I moved in offense mode. Like I'm going to hit you before you hit me. I'm going to cut you off before you get to me. You know, that type of thing to thinking in my mind that I'm being defensive and I'm protecting myself, but really you're building a wall. You can build a wall. I'm grateful that I haven't, but you can as a result of that. But I say, instead of being more, um, offensive, be more defensive where, you know, it's like a ninja. If somebody tries to cut, you know, you know, you ever see those ninja movies and the guy sitting there real Zen, like his eyes is closed. His, he's, you know, sitting there crisscross applesauce, you know, I, I, you know, cause I didn't want to say Indian style, but you know what I mean? Sitting there meditating like a Buddha and somebody runs up with a stick or runs up with a sword. And he just catches that joint. Eyes still closed. That's defense. That means when you're so like centered within yourself that you can see it and block it before it even come at you. You know what I'm saying? But you can dodge swat that bullet out your way. Like Neo from the matrix because you're centered. Now, don't take that last part literal. That was definitely a bar and a joke, a metaphor. But you know what I mean? Like you can mentally move it out the way. But, oh, I see what's happening here. Boom. I don't see it anymore. It's gone. Dodge that, you know. And those are the two modes. And when you kind of learn, I feel. Well, and, and, and honestly, I'm not even trying to be a psychic uh, psychiatrist or anything. I'm just your neighborhood friendly home girl that I love to talk and I love to talk to y'all and the things that I think about, I like to share with y'all, you know, and you know me every now and then I'll have some guests and I have some redos that I'm going to have coming up for you guys. So yeah, <clears throat> just wanted to share that. But back to what I was saying, I just feel like, um, move more defensively and less offensively because when you offend people, when you're offensive, it comes off harsh. It comes off brash. Even though in your mind, you might be feeling like this is what I have to do because I'm tired of people taking advantage of me. I'm tired of people, you know, doing this or hurting my feelings. So I'm going to hurt theirs. It's so for some reason, I always realized too, that, um, the stuff that people did to hurt me, it hurt me on the inside. Like 
you know, you couldn't see it. Like, you, no one physically abused me. No one, like, robbed me or punched me in my face. Thank God, right? Nothing like that. But, you know, we have emotions. We were, and I wore mine on my sleeve at times. You know, I still do. Probably just depends on what it is. But, um, yeah, I think when I was hurt by it and then I would lash out and hurt, you know, try to, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to hurt you now because you hurt me. What I did tended to be more hurtful. You know, and I thought about that. Like somebody told me a few years ago, they was like, yo, when you smile, you light up the room. When you're angry, it's like a tornado comes, comes through, <laughs> you know, and you know, it, and it just uh, impacts the whole room. So, and you're so powerful. We love you. And we just love when you, you know, when you're, when you're you, like, this is you. And I was like, wow. You know, it was a family member that told me this, by the way, I don't think it was like out in the streets or whatever. But at the same time, I was like, Wow. That makes sense, you know, for them to say, like, this is you. Like, this is who we knew you were, you always been. And we knew you had to work through it. But this is you, and, we, and we're happy that you're here. Because when that other bitch show up, we be ready to, like, throw down. Shit, that other bitch show up, I'm ready to fight her. I don't like that bitch, honestly. And I don't mean to call my my other self a bitch, but, you know, we're just talking. We're having girl talk, so you know how it is. She can talk. But, um, so... It's funny because I saw Mary J. Blige recently on The Breakfast Club this morning, to be exact, and she said something similar to that. So I don't want you guys to feel like I'm biting Mary's words because trust and believe, you know, that's how I feel. But um, she said something like that, like she had to talk to her her younger self. And I was like, I'm going to try that because I compartmentalize, meaning that. I'm like, that was her and this is me, you know? So this person, if you encounter that person, I apologize. And, um, anything that she may have done, I apologize for it, but don't ask me any questions about it. Cause I can't justify it. Like that. I'm not that person. You know what I'm saying? So I can't go down that lane and say, Hey, this is, you know why? Because I have no reason to justify it. Cause I'm not that person. Does that make any sense? Like that person, that Colleen is not no longer here, but she's here. If that makes any sense, like we're all here, but I had to allow her to heal and let her chill in the back and lounge and not really have to come up front. So when I heard Mary say that today, I was like, Oh my God, she said the best thing ever. Like she articulated it so well because that's how I feel. Like, you know, I made, and so I said to myself, I'm going to try that. I'm going to like find my old picture and just talk to it one day. Cause I didn't do that. You know, I look at old pictures I'm like, Oh my God, I saw a picture that a friend of mine sent me of me from college and I was like, what the fuck? Any guy who liked me had to be gay. Because who is this little boy? <laughs> okay. So, you know, just to kind of give you some insight about how I'm able to laugh at it now. But I could also see how she was kind of, a, you know, a little angry child growing up. You know, I could see that as well. So I just thought it was funny um, that Mary put that in such the best word. She said it so eloquently today when she was like, you know, she had to talk to her younger self in order to be where she's at today, you know, and she had to heal, allow her younger self to heal in order to be where she's at today. And I could agree with that because I'm telling you, like, it's terrible. That's a terrible tailspin because especially when you're in your 20s, everything is like life ending, life altering, life over, you know, like if you're and especially if you're not aligned mentally, spiritually, financially, 
everything is going to be out of whack, right? So everything is going to set you off. Everything is going to get you upset. And I'm not justifying it and saying that, but I can see it. I can see, I can tell you exactly what happened, you know? And then to couple that with maybe, you know, I'm looking at myself like I wasn't the cutest of every day. And, you know, I probably didn't have the most money at all times or the latest outfits at all times. So maybe I was a little bitter about that too. You know, I know I used to work and always have my jobs and do whatever. And I thought I was cute, but eesh. Not every day, obviously, you know, so maybe it's just a little bit of growth in there that I didn't have at that time and understanding of myself that I didn't have at that time that I didn't know how to control it, you know? And so, yeah. So with that being said, I don't know how I got into a rant about me, honestly, but I think with that also, it shows you, um, how things can change over time. Right. To me, I feel like that's a, a, a example of something going from bad to good. Now, I can't tell you, you know, oh, I'm great, I'm good, I'm changed. It's really up for to whoever interacts with me to, you know, to get that experience, you know, directly. But I told you what, you know, my aunt told me, and she was just sitting there admiring me. And I'm like, what is wrong with you, auntie? And she was like, do you know, you just light up a room like this is a clean. And I almost cried because I'm a crybaby. But I didn't because I'm grown. But I took that and I was like, it was a proud moment for me, you know, because that's, that's hard work to get to a point where people can see your growth and see your change without you saying, Hey, look, I changed. Hey, look, I changed, you know? So, um, but it was, it took silent work. It took hard work. It still does every day. Cause I, every day I'd be thinking like, do I need a psychiatrist? Do I need to go get me a therapy session? Like Charlemagne goddamn? because some days it's rough and I'm not talking about, you know, it's just a growth process when you're growing and you're trying to change. And when you kind of come face to face with what you have to change, you know, like, it's just like exercise. You're like, you can't, you can't just run around the block one day and be like, oh, I'm fit again. It's going to take work. It's going to take exercise. It's going to take one day of cardio, one day of, you know, leg work. It's going to take a different, uh, you know, a series of steps to get to the, where you, you know, your goal to achieve the goal. So I feel like the same thing with, um, us turning around some of these stereotypes. It's going to take a series of little steps to turn around stereotypes like you know black people are lazy with the watermelon and blah 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 i think that um we should start there we should challenge ourselves to research a stereotype and if you're not black it don't have to be just black stereotypes you know like i told you guys about the jimmy rig and the jerry rig etc etc just i challenge you guys i challenge you all in the she can talk audience to Get to the origin of any stereotype that may have just like rubbed you wrong or you question it like, why do they say that? Or, you know, whatever. And let's start dispelling them. You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, that's why I chose this episode to talk about, you know, the watermelon seeds, because I said, hey, look, I feel like, you know, this is, you know, not cool. Like, I don't think that people are understanding. Like, you wouldn't be mad if you knew the, you wouldn't, you probably would still be mad you know, as far as like what happened, but you wouldn't be mad or offended by what it really stood for. Cause it stands for freedom. It stood for the first, you know, slaves to become free, took watermelon as their crops. And that's how they made money and were successful. And people around the nation saw their success and didn't like it. So they went ahead and did something about it. So I think that, yeah, that's, that's cause to be mad, but offended. No, cause we weren't lazy people. We still aren't. We are not uncleanly people. You know what I'm saying? I know people of other races, including some black folk that maybe needed to bathe twice, but you know, for the majority of us, <laughs> 
we we ain't dirty people. We're healthy people, clean people, smart people, innovative people, creative people. You know, so I think that um we should take back our worth little by little. And um let's start with that watermelon and that watermelon seed. You know what I'm saying? That was a the key to life back in them days. And um we allowed it to we allowed what other people's opinion of us to, you know, stop us from doing our work. So nah, we can't, we can't let it stop. And that's why I'm challenging myself daily to be more centered, to be more open to information. Cause I don't know everything. I would lie and tell you I do. I don't, you know, but do I research things? Yes. Do I try to find credible resources? Yes. You know, do I try to ask questions about things I don't know? Yes. You know, I have an inquisitive mind. I, I'm not going to lie there, but, um, I think that once we do research and find it, we should spread the word, each one teach one, and share it. Share that knowledge. And don't share it from a condescending point of view. Share it like, hey, did you know? Because I didn't. You'd be surprised how much um, how much that you know you can share with someone else and how much information you possibly can get from someone else about something completely different. You know, like I told you that movie used okra seeds. I didn't even think about that, but I was like, you know, a seed is a seed. I seen, I'm pretty sure they had some pumpkin seeds, some you know, collard green seed or whatever. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure they had some seeds that they could throw on the ground and grow real quick. I make, it makes sense, you know, because that's a key to life. If you can grow something, you're going to eat something, you're going to eat something, you can sell something, sell something, you're going to make some money, buy some land, trickle down effect or trickle up effect, the glow up. But, um, yeah. So this song totally does have nothing to do with what we talked about you know, but because the topic is watermelon, I figured I would play this one by Harry Styles. It's called Watermelon Sugar. And I just figured because, hey, it was a lot of watermelon talk. And that's another thing. This dude is not black and he has a song about watermelon sugar. All right. I'm pretty sure it's probably talking about a lady or whatever. We'll take, we'll check it out right after this. But that's what I'm saying. I like to keep things themed in with what we got going on and I didn't want to um go depressive with a old negro spiritual so I went ahead and picked Harry Styles watermelon sugar we're gonna play that for you now so you already know before I leave I always tell y'all if y'all like this podcast tell a friend if you don't like this podcast tell a friend it ain't gonna hurt either way I love all of you out there okay but I love me first because I can't love you if I don't love me right and same thing for y'all love on yourself first you can't love me if you don't love you all right. So each one, teach one, spread that love. Brooklyn, spread love is the Brooklyn way, right? Hey. And um, yeah, let's kind of, you know, get ready for this weekend and y'all be safe out there. Stay safe. If y'all vaccinated, good, good, good. If y'all not good, hey, I could dig it. And um, you know, wash your hands, stay safe. And I say just be safe because it's summertime. It's crazy. I love y'all till next week. Peace. It's like strawberries on a summer evening. And it sounds just like a song I want more berries And that summer feeling It's so wonderful and warm Breathe me in Breathe me out I don't
a summer evening And it sounds just like a song I want your belly In that summer feeling I don't know if I 